Howdy everybody, it's old Cody over here. Welcome to another edition of the Cowboys of the Osage podcast. This time we're on the road, and as always, I have my co-host with me right here, Mr. Rodeo Historian himself, Jimbo Snively. Hey Jimbo, what's going on and who do we got today, and where are we at? Hey Cody, we're just outside Henrietta, Oklahoma, and we're talking to Marvin Shoulders, great bull rider of the 70s, four-time national finalist, 1973, he rode nine bulls in a row and almost made the whistle on the 10th bull and uh, and won the average. Just a great bull rider. And he was a son of Jim Shoulders, 16 times world champion cowboy and a member of every Hall of Fame you can imagine. Marvin just went into the Bull Riders Hall of Fame uh, last year. And uh, we're just tickled this room here with all this memorabilia. It's just unbelievable. I feel like we're in hollow ground here. Just uh, you hear so much about Jim Shoulders, you know, and uh, Marvin. And Marvin, we just appreciate you letting us come down and visit with you. Enjoy it, guys. Enjoy it. <laughs> well, Marvin, thank you so much for, for sitting down with us today. We're so happy to have you. You know, uh, I was looking around this room a while ago, Jimbo, and I spotted it over here. They got the Holy Grail of Rodeo here. Absolutely. They have the Holy Grail of Rodeo here. They have the the first back number from the first NFR, number one, from number one here. I know. We were trying to think of something that would top that as far as rodeo memorabilia goes, and we couldn't come up with anything. Yeah, you at first said top five. And I said, what, what's better? I know. What's the other top, what's the other four in that top five? And I couldn't name a single one. Maybe somebody out there can come up with something better, but I don't I don't know what it'd be. Yeah, let us know if you think something yeah. better than the very first back number from the very first NFR. Number one, Jim Shoulders is the one of the best cowboys my, of all my, time. My NFR buckle from 73. That, that, that's maybe, number one? Yeah, yeah, maybe that's number one. <laughs> well, I'm going to have to say that's a pretty big one too, Jimbo, well, because... No, no, I'm teasing, I'm teasing. We know. But. Oh, no, no, I'm not. You know why? Because he did equal... The record at the NFR that year. Absolutely. Nine out of nine bulls just bucked off his 10th one only. Barely. And the record right then was nine bulls. Right. So that's a pretty historic belt buckle itself. Right, it really is. It is. You're not giving yourself enough credit on that one, Marvin. I remember as a, watching it on the sports, every night they'd talk about, they'd give us an update. Marvin Paul rode his sixth bull, his seventh bull in a row, and they were building up to that number 10. And uh, just fate had it, and he just barely didn't make the whistle. What happened on that number 10? Let's just get started. Oh, one mistake, and that's all it takes. But uh, at least it was on the bull of the year, a bull that we had kind of raised and, and sold to uh, Mike Servey, and he was everybody's favorite rank bucking bull uh, back in those days. And... Uh, he won, so that, that's hats off to him. <laughs> well, rodeo is a very humbling sport a lot of times. Right when you think you're on top of the world, it comes crashing down on you. No, no, no. You just you just cuss yourself for uh, doing something stupid or messing up. No, it, no, no, no. Heck, it's it's a fun game to play. What was that bull's name? General Ismo. General. General Ismo. General Ismo. I didn't figure he'd get that one. How he got one. named that, I do not know. It was 
But he came from us, and that's... Did you all raise him, or did you trade for him? Uh, I think we bought him with a set of bulls that were two-year-olds and started him. He must have been a bucking dude. Bull of the well, year. Really? Yeah. yeah. Fuck you are. Yeah. Had to be. Yeah, he had to be. <laughs> did you did you feed him good when you got him home, or did you hold him off feed there too? Well, just... we we sold him. So Mike I would Shirley I don't blame you. I'd have sold him too. Yeah, Mike Shirley owned him when he butted me off. Forever. Okay, okay. <laughs> I, was, I was making Mike feel good. Right. <laughs> what about uh, your dad? Who was his rodeo mentor, or was he his own rodeo mentor growing up? Uh, his older brother. Uh, Uncle Marvin was rodeoing and started him um, at a pretty young age. And I guess it did not take long for him to uh, get good at the game. Because from, since he's, uh, I don't know, 18, 18, 19 years old, he went to winning world championships. So... He really didn't have a cowboy background, did he, at all? Uh, no, not really. Just yeah. his older brother. I mean, he went to high, he lived there in Tulsa and yeah. went to high school, well, East Central or something right. like that. Yeah, he, he went to East Central yep. and, and uh, uh, he, he uh, started his, like I say, his older brother. And then that got him started and uh, he took off. Yeah, I'd say so. Well, I guess he was the best. Best there's ever been, right? I was thinking coming down here, Cody, if you were if you were going if somebody was gonna make a Mount Rushmore for rodeo. I've been thinking the same thing. Two guys that come to my mind that are no brainers. And I'm talking about Jim Shoulders and Casey Tibbs. And then you can just fill in you can argue over the other two. I don't know. Who do you think it'd be, Marvin? That well, that right there would would be uh at the time rodeo started uh getting in the, the public eye and those were the two names of world's champions that everybody, everybody knew their name. They were mainstream, weren't they? I mean, uh, you know, everybody yeah, mainstream they, they them, knew they, them. They, they brought rodeo, pro rodeo right. into uh, uh, right. everybody's living uh, room or whatever, you know. Right. Yeah. Everybody about, knew who they were. What about Ty Murray? Well, we throw him on that Mount Rushmore? Well, you put him on there. Who do you leave off? I mean, you got to leave Larry Mahan off, or well, we you got you got to have time to vent it. Got to put Trevor Brazil on. Well, well, yeah. if you're counting buckles, you definitely do. But well, but if you're counting just mainstream popularity at their peak, generation to generation, right, right. and the way uh, uh, the public, uh, uh, the following, mm-hmm. uh, those Dad and Casey, they got the following. Uh, from the outside part of not just right Calvary. they were more mainstream than, than Trevor Brazil in and, my opinion and, at their but, peak but then there's well records are made to be broken oh, yeah. and they've been broken right right those guys started it and these guys that you just named have uh, they they have kept going with it right yeah but nobody could as far as i'm concerned nobody could match jim shoulders and casey tibbs popularity at their peak at their peak well casey tibbs he was the cover of life magazine the right. cover 
that's as big as Rolling Stone nowadays. Or bigger. Because you, know, you didn't have then. TV and you didn't have all the other magazines. You didn't have social media. That's where everybody got their entertainment news. Their, their, uh, Life magazine Life. was Facebook yes. back then. Yeah. That was as big as it got. Period. So that's a good debate, but but you got to have uh, Jim Shoulder and Casey Tibbs first ballot. I'm with you. That. I'm with you. I'll go for that. And you can argue the other two, but we I'm, can not, argue all day I'm long. not gonna argue the we first. We can throw two. Jake and Clay up there, or uh, you know anybody really. Yeah, yeah. There's an argument being made for a half a dozen other guys, but there's no argument to be made between Jim Shoulder and Casey Tibbs, as far as I'm concerned. Let's throw Ike Root on there. Okay. Let's throw Ike Root on this deal. <laughs> I like the idea of that. Okay. What about Bob Crosby? Can we put him on there? He was a heck of a cowboy. Back we got to get his days, permission. Back in those days, and and uh, uh, let's see, and then a little bit later, for somebody's name that everybody everybody knew and and cheered for, Freckles Brown. Yep. There we go. I know. This Mount Rushmore is going to be big. Well, well, it's only gonna, you can only have four, though. Oh. That's the deal. That's what's tough about it. We got two. We got three of the four. No, we got two. We we haven't decided on the third and fourth yet. Me and Marvin voted for Freckles. Oh, okay. Well, I didn't hear you vote. Well, my vote isn't near as big as yours and his, but, I mean, Freckles, it gets pretty big right there. Tornado, yep. Freckles. Right. That's yep. another well, pretty big holy grail. For what he did for right, the sport, right, and uh, not just talent-wise, just what he did for right. the sport. Were yeah. you there that night? Yes, I was. Tell I us was, about it. I was looking over the front slide gate in front of a Tornado when he pulled his rope. They opened the gate. He made the bull ride, and Dad was standing in in uh, the arena, and he was the first one that went to hug him. Uh, because how it was perfect for both of them's career. Both of them, it made both of them really famous. How old was Freckles that night? Do you remember? Forty. I don't think he was twenty-two or forty-nine or something. Yeah, I think he was forty-nine. That's a, that's unreal for a bull rider. Yes. Yeah, you don't hear very many bull riders past no twenty-nine, much yeah. less forty-nine. Yeah, you're so beat up when you get to 30, you know. Tough. It's a rough game. Yep, I'd say so. That was a big, big moment in rodeo history that night. Yes, it was. They've written songs about it. Yeah, and Dad had always said it. Man, he, he, was, he was so happy that they rode that famous bull at the NFR, and it was Freckles Brown that did it instead of some unknown kid or somewhere getting lucky at a, a some small rodeo. But that was on the biggest stage, the biggest bull ride, and that, like I say, it, 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 it catapulted both of their fame even higher. How'd y'all come about Tornado? I came in with a load of bulls that uh, Dad and Neil Gay, uh, which they were partners at Mesquite Rodeo when it started. They they started Mesquite Rodeo, and he came in with a load of bulls that 
they were getting from uh, Mr. John Williams from down south Texas, Garwood, Texas. And and then Tornado, uh, he made his own name. He, he, he built it himself, uh, being such an athletic bull uh, back in those days, unrideable. And, uh, but he came, he came from South Texas. How many trips did that bull have before Freckles rode him? I can't remember. I think that line's in the song, uh, 200. I don't, I don't even remember now how many uh, outs he had had before he had been ridden. But it was, it was a lot. No matter how rank a bull is, sometimes they might have an off day, stumble or something, uh, have deep dirt mud or something and and or somebody gets lucky and rides him but for a bull to go that long unridden and uh that that's uh quite a career did y'all have any calves out of him uh no uh uh turned him out on for cows but uh he we never did get any, any bull calves out of him that's about right yeah when did your dad get into the bucking bull business? Uh, started well about the year when they started mesquite and rodeo in fifty whatever year that was. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and and then went out on his own. Okay, mesquite was still was on and and. Uh, Dad started a rodeo company and kept it through the 80s. Whatever hmm. happened to Tornado? He lived uh, his last uh, peaceful years out here at the ranch. Uh, and old age finally got him, which father time wins. Did y'all keep hauling him after Freckles rode him, or did you turn him out after that? Uh, he, I, I think he went to a couple more rodeos afterwards, after that year. Maybe maybe that next summer, he, he went to some rodeos. And, did anybody else ever ride him after that? Uh, yeah. Uh, I think he was ridden a couple of times. Did you ever ride him in the practice pen out here? No, but I was a kid. I sat on him in the chute mm. <laughs> played like I did. <laughs> yeah. Well, what, when you're, what are your me earliest memories of following your dad around to the rodeos? My whole life, pretty much, yeah. when I was a kid, and uh, uh, all those guys through the 1950s, the cowboys rodeo cowboys i i kind of knew them because and because back in them days i could be back there behind the sheets with dad and i got to be friends with, or were they as nice to me right. uh, a little kid running around there aggravating everybody right and uh it was my whole life did you know I, I grew up doing it did you know harry Tompkins? i guess oh yeah yeah which um uh he had a daughter, same age, and a son, a couple of years younger. And when I was uh, really, that one year I got serious about really traveling hard, bought a plane. His, Harry's son 
was an uh, an airplane pilot, and he was he was uh, my uh, whatever you call that. I was getting my license uh, flying that plane, so he he flew us around, and I was getting my hours in. Uh, Mark Tompkins. Uh, and we had a good time. We had a good time. I'm getting my hours in. We're traveling in a nice plane, and uh, so yeah, we we we've been we've been really good friends. When you when you fly in somewhere, how'd you get to the rodeo? Well, a lot of those are smaller rodeos. They either have a car there, they'll they'll let you drive, or, or whoever. If it's one of them littler ones, that uh, the guy running the airport would uh, run you to the rodeo and then come back and pick you up. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty good deal. Do you ever have any scary uh, times up there in the sky with a bunch of cowboys flying some planes around? Uh, no, not really. Uh, I, I don't know, I pulled some prank on Mark, the pilot, and the next morning, uh, I wasn't feeling too good there. We had to leave pretty early, and we were uh, flying along there, and I opened a, a Copenhagen can, was going to get a, a little chew out, and he dipped the airplane, and the chew hit me in the eyes, and it burnt. <laughs> And he said, uh, that's for last night. Whatever prank I pulled on him last night, and I promised him right then, no way, partner, I, I am not pulling any more pranks on you. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't want to prank the pilot, would you? Yeah, no. He do not do that, but I, I was a young kid, and I, I didn't think that far ahead. <laughs> Speaking of rodeo pranks, <laughs> What's the best one you ever heard of? You can tell us that you were involved in. Uh, Maybe it happened to you. Well, no, I was perfect. No, nothing ever happened. To me. <laughs> nothing yeah, ever happened yeah, we to were me talking that. about the letter buck room earlier today, and I told, I told, uh, I told Peg I've heard of it. Right. Didn't know anything right. about it. Just heard tales of it. Uh, now. Uh, uh, Let's see, and actually, one of the, one of them was was uh, uh, four of us in a pickup and camper, and stopped to get gas or something going on an all night drive, and one of the guys that was in the back of the camper asleep, we we went in there to get uh, a soda pop and a candy bar and stuff, and. We came back out, we load up and we take off and we get, I don't know, 150 miles down the road. And I think it was my old partner, Leander Fry. Hey, Leander. Cajun from down there. Yeah, I know him. Uh, wasn't in the back. He'd got out to go to the bathroom and we run off and left him. <laughs> he was barefooted because he was asleep back there. We pull up, oh heck, we. We, we 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 left him. We went back there. He's sitting on the curb in front of that truck stop or uh, gas station. He's sitting on the curb there, and he hadn't been rodeoing very much. He and he is a long ways from Louisiana. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I'll tell you a good one on Leander. He was he, he became a rodeo judge later in life. I don't even know what he's up to now. I haven't talked to him in years. But uh, I think we were at Pecos or somewhere, and he was the judge down there, and he was walking through this gate that was stuck, and he couldn't get it open. And he went to it, and he shook it, and then he shook it about three times. And then, I don't know what the hell he was thinking, he took and kicked it with both feet, and they went through the gate, and he went laying on the ground. And uh, the whole rest of that year, they would, uh, when he would come in the arena, they would play that song, Everybody Was Kung Fu Fighting. <laughs> <laughs> Them cats were fast as lightning, for just for Leander. Because uh, it seemed like he was doing all the bad company rodeos there for, uh, oh, there, for a couple there, of years. There so many stories, could just remember parts of them that, that uh, stuff happened that, you see stuff happen that uh, you, you think you've seen everywhere after you've played the game for uh, several years or quite a few years. And then somewhere you'll see something happen that you could not even imagine. It uh, that's the way the world goes, I guess. Did you ride around with your dad when you were a kid to all those rodeos he traveled to, uh, or a big part of them? Some, some, and a lot of them. Uh, Mom and my sisters, older sister and I, would get. Uh, we might make a, a few rodeos, and then we would come back home and of course he would stay on the road and so uh but yeah i, I was at, i was at, at a lot of rodeos and uh some of the most stock contractors i got to be friends with and especially during the bull riding they always had the special stand a lot of them did lynn butler and some of those guys uh they they and I'd get to sit up there with them on the back of the shoots at Fort Worth or uh, Casper Cheyenne or uh, something, and I'd get to sit up there with them to watch the bull riding, and, and so it was a privileged life. You know, one time I got to sit by Harry Bold during the bronc ride he was sitting up there on the top of the bucking chutes he wasn't on his horse in the arena for some reason and i never seen a man so happy just to see bucking horses in all my life every one of them he just would smile laugh comment and uh it was really something else had to be about the same with yes. those guys watching their stock yes, i would assume was. yeah if if no matter if, uh, if it's a a, a, a ride a, a high score or the horse or bull wins the contest. The, uh, if they performed well, those guys, those guys were happy. And uh, I, I, that's the breed of uh, uh, people. They are that. Yeah, if if the animal performs like he's supposed to, it makes you happy. What I remember about Harry that day is he's wearing his spurs. He was sitting up up. And the happier he got, the louder his spurs started rattling because his feet were going 90 miles an hour right there sitting on the fence. <laughs> oh, yeah, those uh, contractor guys, are uh, it's its like watching their kids play or, or compete. Yeah, they're, they're, they're really cheering for them. That's really something. I remember when I was a little kid, mm -hmm. not a little kid, maybe, I don't know, 14 years old. I was working for him there. Uh, mm -hmm. Stripping rope and shoots and stuff like that. Just a little, little kid untying calves, whatever it took. 
to uh, be around that stuff. Those guys, those guys were well, which early on it was uh, uh, common sense kind of told you you wanted to be friends with the stock contractor guys, the flank men, and and the guys that work for them. You want you want to be on their good side. Uh, if you got a rewrite or something, it. Uh, uh, they could help you on uh, whatever the rewrite might be, or or uh, if they were bringing the good one back or something like that. And the flank men, you uh, you just want to be on on the good side of those guys, and pretty much all of them were good guys. They were easy to be friends with, and after a couple of years you got to be really good friends with that the contractor guys and and uh uh flank men and and the guys that, that run their rodeo part uh and that that was just uh actually common sense looking back on it but I, I enjoyed going so many of them uh, rodeos to, to visit with those guys uh, as much as the guys I traveled with uh, visiting as you go down the road. Did you ever ride to Madison Square with them or anything like that? Uh, I think maybe when I was a kid, there's pictures of Mom and I in the grandstands uh, at, at the old Madison Square and I was lucky enough, I won the last one out of, at, at New York. I won the last Madison Square Garden rodeo. When was that? Because me and Jimbo was talking about it on the way down here a while ago. 70, 77, I don't know, 75, I, I can't remember. I thought they had one in the 90s, one. Well, they might well. And I, I'm not sure if that was at the old old building or what i don't know probably not you won the last one at the old building you know that you know that <laughs> how old were you when you first started getting on bulls Marvin? Um uh, well i was lucky that dad had riding schools rodeo oh, schools sure. and we always had the the beginner bulls practice bulls and stuff there and i was probably uh 13 14 did he encourage you to ride bulls uh, it's just whatever i whatever wanted you want to do and stuff there and so and i was pretty careful about it it was the little herefords that hopped around mm -hmm. a little bit and then i kind of worked my way up and stuff but i i got to graduate uh and i was never pushed into uh, every now and then i got thinking I think I can ride that one there, and then he'd, he'd uh, throw me off pretty hard. And wait, wait a minute, I'll, I'll practice a little bit more. Did you feel, how'd you handle the pressure of being Jim Shoulder's son? Actually, it was a lot easier because uh, at, at, at the time I started, started really rodeoing, I knew uh, so many of those guys from our rodeos and, and growing up in it. And we were already friends, and and it wasn't like I'm trying to impress anybody. Uh, I'm trying to stay on this bull, mm -hmm. and which is probably the pretty much same attitude uh, Pete, Donnie, and Bobby Steiner had. Yeah, that we knew all those guys. We were friends, so we didn't have that pressure of 
uh, oh, I've, 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 I've added pressure. Right, I, right, right. It, it was just, okay, I'm, I need to ride this bull. There wasn't yeah. anything else added to it. No, he was proud of his dad. He didn't feel right. like he had to beat him, you know, beat him. Yeah, but you I know, I couldn't beat him. I knew I couldn't beat him, but I, <laughs> I, just, I, did, I just tried to do hard there so he'd be proud if he'd be there watching or something or, or wasn't there, just in case somebody told him, well, at least he got bucked off his trying or something. Right, yeah. <laughs> it's really hard to beat your dad in anything, really. Jim, well, and nobody's going to live up to Jim's shoulders. I just wondered how tough that was, you know, to be Jim Shoulder's yeah. son. Well, yeah. I think this sport, uh, and, and I, I took the lane that, man, I'm so proud, but I, it it really didn't it didn't put any more pressure on me because all I wanted to do was uh, play the game good enough that my peers, the guys I looked up to that was rodeoing men, knew that I was trying, and, and uh, I either – Sometimes you get bucked off, or sometimes you make good bull rides, and uh, you 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 earn your way, and that that's what it was. Did you ride any Bronx? <laughs> well, yeah, I, uh, 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 I rode barrack horses in high school, and and I enjoyed that a little bit. Won the state high school finals and then actually won the national high school finals in the bayback riding one year and the saddle bronx that one year that looked so easy those guys riding them and that looked so i tried that for a year and uh the state high school finals i won second and then i got on a few after that uh, tuning up for the national high school finals that year and I had one or two of them a little better horses of course we had the perfect practice horses out here at the ranch for the schools and stuff that I got bucked off a couple of times and that hurt <laughs> what like getting bucked off a bull that uh, first thing it hit would be my nose or something uh, so I didn't even I did not even enter the uh, national high school finals that last year that I'd made it into bronc riding and it's probably a good thing because I end up winning the bareback riding and the bull riding and all around and probably the first bronc would have killed me <laughs> so I, I just got on a few of them I did like and then I pro rodeoed first couple of years at uh, smaller rodeos and, and had a little bit of luck in the bareback riding winning money and and uh, but sometimes that would go wrong and you know i was riding bulls good enough that uh and i had trouble pulling groin muscles uh riding bareback horses and i want to make finals in the bull riding so i, I pretty much just quit getting on bareback horses so i like riding bulls that's what i was going to do Hey, was it hard to be a competing cowboy and own a rodeo, be a part of the rodeo company at the same time? Did you have to do a lot of work and right up until the bull riding a lot of times? Because I had to do that yeah, with the steer roping. Yes, but. sometimes there. It would kind of be wore out. But heck, when you're that age, 
uh, you can handle that. Yeah, you can no handle problem. that there. And, and if you get bucked off as well, as a dead gum working stop, moving panels, this and that, or something like that, you had a, a built-in excuse. <laughs> you probably needed a which, little bit of the edge it on was, that. Well, you, it, it wasn't, but uh, you made a mistake or you just got bucked off. But, oh, I had a built-in excuse. Oh, man, we, we had to set some panels up, and oh, I was over at working stop and stuff there and got t- pretty hot. But, no, that was no excuse. But you could tell your pod was that. Yeah. <laughs> Marvin, who did you think was the best bull rider you ever saw with your own eyes? Uh, back, well, of course, uh, I, have, I have to say dad. Right. I mean, uh, after him, you know, when you were... From the get-go, and, and uh, but uh, one of the guys, that, and it's hard to judge something like that, Ronnie Bowman was... Uh, like I say that I got started out with that so much talent he didn't travel very much that whatever bull oh he he and oh a, a lot of guys there that I traveled with rodeoed with had talent uh, uh, Jim Sharp later on was pretty impressive to watch. He he, uh, he started after I, I had quit, but I saw him enough in person, and uh, it, it'd be hard to lump them into the top twenty guys or something. That for try talent mm-hmm. and, and everything, it, it'd be hard to uh, even narrow it down to twenty or yeah. something. And different bulls, different times, and just right, right. You know. And Jim Sharp, he was pretty. He was a pretty special bull rider, wasn't he? The yeah. first one to ride all ten at the finals. I, I think so. I think and, he was. But and, and well, there there's guys even before that and after that. But that, that was always one name that came to mind. That like I say, it it'd be hard to narrow for me to narrow it down to 20 guys he had an awful long career too he rode oh, yeah. longer than most folks mm-hmm. that yeah. jim sharp did but anyway i thought he was a spectacular bull rider and another one right here in town you have is old terry don west oh well for riding right might be bulls, the best one i've ever seen for riding ass bulls that, that besides us being friends and always cheered for any later on any of them kids from Oklahoma if they if they played the game pretty good there I got to cheer for them and and uh, but for his style was different but man for uh, when if they had they had one stock contractors had one they said no he can't be rode Terry Don could ride him and and he did and um uh, like I say, we've been friends for a long time, and I enjoyed cheering for him. But, yeah, if you wanted to rank Bull Road, yeah, pop off contractor, run him under Terry Don, he'll stick it on him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's no joke. We've seen him do it many a time. One yeah. of the highest riding percentages in uh, rodeo history right yeah. there, Terry Don West. I don't know. Jim Sharp, Terry Don, Jim Shoulders. 
Don't he gay? I mean, you Donnie like you said, it's right, hard yeah. to narrow it down to even twenty. It is really, hard. <laughs> right, yeah, you, you could. There, yeah. there, it'd be hard. That to, Adriano Morias fellow. Oh, yeah. I don't oh, know yeah. him from nothing, but I'm. I yeah. remember he was a bull riding watching son of a him, gun. Watching him, and, and you go on into the PBR guys that that, and there's one now. Well, oh, he rode ten at the finals. Yeah, that one from Adriano. Yeah, one time. You, I, 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 if I had a list in front of me there. I, I, I couldn't narrow it down to 20 uh, because, golly, there's there's there have been some really great ones. Uh, sure. Well, if you play that game and <laughs> you, it, it doesn't take long, or uh, you 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 get your name known there, you're pretty good. Yeah, it's really something else. It's really something else. I've never been on the around the rough stock end of the arena that much, but. Uh, I've always admired those guys down there, for sure, Jim. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I always wanted to be a rodeo clown is what I wanted to be growing up. <laughs> I hung out with old Quell Dobbs quite a bit oh, he was when so I was a kid. All, the, all those, well, besides the contractors, flank men and, Leon and, Coffee. and those guys, you wanted to be friends with the bullfighters, <laughs> the clowns, <laughs> if you played the bull riding game. You wanted to be friends with those guys right there. Uh, because they saved your life. <laughs> and, yeah, uh, uh, and there was a, lots of those who were as close friends as guys traveled with. Oh, I imagine you relied quite a bit. Yeah, on those fellers. Oh, well, heck yeah! You go out there either to the clown room or their trailer, wherever they were getting ready for the rodeo or something, and visit with them because you wanted to be friends with those guys. Especially right. if you had one of them old hook ass bulls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I imagine. I imagine. Did you ever have to fill in for a rodeo clown in all your years of yeah, having the... Right, uh, right. Well, yeah. heck, I thought you might, guys might have showed up yeah, somewhere in a rodeo and your guy didn't show schools, up. Uh, early on, one of the riding schools or something, and, and uh, when them kids fall off, that bull might be... And I'd run by and play like I was a rodeo clown, and and, uh, and then I had one chase me, and uh, that scared me so bad that no way, no, you're on your own, kid. No, you're on your own. And, I'll tell you how they cured me of that, this whole rodeo bullfighter. I didn't want to be a bullfighter. I wanted to be more of the rodeo clown part of it, but the uh, my dad cured me of it real quick one day, Jimbo. He had all these uh, Scottish Highlander bulls that he was practicing roping on because they were cheap. But they were mean, very mean. So he had me get one of my mom's uh, barrel racing barrels out there and get out in the middle of our arena, which is, I don't know, 400 long, 300 wide, big arena. And sand was this deep. In the summertime, it was that deep. And... Uh, <laughs> yeah, we lived right off the Arkansas I can see River. Yeah, that's going. Yeah, see how that's fixing to go. He said, "Son, get your rodeo clown stuff on. Get on out there and get by that barrel, and let's see how this stuff's gonna go." Yeah, that's a good idea. Well, he he got one of them old rope. I was gonna say rope and steers, but Scottish Highlander bulls mad by jacking with him out there. Then turned him out on me. Cured me. <laughs> Cured me of my fascination of wanting to be a rodeo clown. Well, he knew it, he needed to cure you of it. He either, he either put me on the right path or cure me of yeah. it. Cured me. <laughs> cured me. Actually, it got so bad me wanting to be a rodeo clown. There was an old rodeo. 
there was a rodeo clown that was living with us at the time. You're not going to believe this when I tell you he was living with us at the time. His name was Buddy Heaton. Buddy Heaton. He just got he out of famous. prison. And he moved in with my grandpa. What, <laughs> was, were you running the halfway house or what was he it? Was, he was in the halfway house and then when he got out, oh, he moved okay. in with my grandparents. Okay. But and he, he, uh, he, he was, went and got me his old clown barrel. And he was famous back in the days. He, heck, he worked like and Cheyenne. And, and he worked, he worked uh, some big rodeos, but uh, that's when I was a kid. And I heard stories about, uh, besides in the arena and outside the arena, that, uh, yeah, he was, yeah, he was Buddy Heaton. Yeah. Yeah. He, threw, he flew a plane through the middle of the Gateway Arch in St. Louis. And then he went to prison for he stole the I he stole the IRS's calling. Remember when you used to have calling cards? You have to go to pay phone, put in the calling card so you could call home. He stole the IRS's calling card number. You know he's charging all of his telephone calls to the IRS, and uh, got caught, thrown in federal prison for that. He should have been in prison for quite a few other things, I would <laughs> assume. But he did. back in them days, that's just. Uh, being another guy, I guess, or something. <laughs> was your dad one of the first ones to do the endorsement deal? Uh, actually, yes. Uh, uh, with Wranglers in yeah. 47 or whatever year when he started, whenever he started with them and stayed with them his entire life, and they stayed with Mom. And and uh, and shortly thereafter, he was with uh, Justin Boots yeah. for uh, all those years. Uh, I read that that deal he had with Wrangler was the longest running yes. endorsement by any athlete yeah. of any sport. Yeah, in history. In history. Period. Yeah, yeah. It, it was, uh, and like I say, uh, from either whenever. It, I, I, Heck, I'm getting old. I can't remember, but it was either 47 or 40, maybe 49, somewhere. When when he signed on with those the Wrangler people, and I was a little kid, and I remember going back east and spending the night with I can't remember that guy's name that was head of Wranglers, and we spent a couple of nights at their house. First time I ever saw a color TV. Yeah, <laughs> uh, uh, and but. He was, he he was Mr. Wrangler, and and shortly thereafter, uh, he he and John Justin uh, got to be really good friends, and he endorsed uh, Justin Boots for his entire life. How did he get into those beer commercials with Billy Martin? I'm not sure how that came about when they were uh, uh, putting those those commercials together but they they were going over so good and they worked out fantabulous yeah. fantastic for him that, that uh appearances and doing the commercials and he said most of all those retired athletes most of them were a lot of fun guys to uh, hang out with yeah. uh, when they do a three or four day shoot or something uh, he said it was a good time and they were a, there was a bunch of good people that he enjoyed it. Yeah, those were mainstream commercials. They didn't just play them during the rodeo. I mean, they oh, they yeah. played them during yeah. the football game, Super Bowl, or whatever. You know, the Jim Shoulder. Everybody knew who Jim Shoulders was. 
What about the bull y'all had? Buford. Um, T Light. Buford T Light? Uh, uh, he. He got more famous than pretty much most of the uh, sports uh, athletes that were in the commercials. Just and he wasn't—I don't think he was ever in a commercial. But for him, Dad would take him making appearances to uh, events, bars, uh, stuff, and could lead that bull through anywhere. And. Uh, he could take that bull for a two or three day trip on some appearance and make three times what we'd be putting a rodeo on, a PRCA rodeo on with four loads of bucking stock. <laughs> <laughs> and, but, oh, what, what a, what a, a gift uh, that was from the good Lord or whatever, however Dad ended up with him, and he was smart enough to figure that out to turn that into uh, everything. Not everybody knows who Buford T. Light was. Can you give us just a, a little, uh, <clears throat> tell us what he looked like and tell us what he, exactly what he was because a lot of our audience, you know, they're not rodeo cowboys or anything, so. Okay, he, he was a, he was a, a beautiful made, great, uh, gray, straight Bramer bull. The big hump, flat horn stick out. And his disposition was uh, like, like the gentlest big dog you've ever had that would be around people and like it. Uh, he could lead him through a crowded room and that book uh, could walk through there like, and it, it was almost like, excuse me, excuse me, I'm, I'm coming through. <laughs> and, and he he was just once in a lifetime animal or something, but for a Bramer bull, a straight, gray, big hump, a kind of wide-horned Bramer bull to... Uh, uh, to be that considerate and kind, uh, li like a big dog, gentle dog, would be around a lot of people. That it, it, it was amazing. You know, even gentle dogs don't like certain people, though. This bull liked everybody. He liked everybody. He liked everybody. Uh, excuse me, uh, I'm, I'm coming through. If, if they weren't paying attention or something, and anybody, little kids, anybody, they they could. A step up on him and get their pictures made and and uh, he'd stand there he would stand there uh however long and it didn't bother him he enjoyed it he just enjoyed being around people he got afterwards he got fed good and he lived a great life but it's still it's amazing uh what his what his attitude was so you they take him inside of bars Oh, yeah. They take him inside of elevators. They take him trucks, in. Trucks, hollering, <laughs> screaming, noise, uh, music, and stuff. You, you, there's not. Uh, you could probably not find hardly any gentle saddle horses that you could lead into those places. But that bull just walked in there, and just, hey, what's going on? 
He ain't the bull they used on Blazing Saddles that Mongo rode, is he? No, no, no. <laughs> Some relation to him somehow, though. Uh, Had to be. Well, he was a bramer. Yeah, they were all bramers. <laughs> Had a hump. <laughs> you remember that I was trying to think of a guy's name from down there today, Jimbo? Right. Leon Adams. He used to Roman ride them bramer bulls. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. I remember the name. And then yeah. his wife would come in and do right. the, uh, the Vicky, end of the trail Vicky, scene. Vicky. Yeah, Vicky. Uh, Leon and Vicky Adams. Yeah, they they were fantastic acts. And and Leon's uh, Roman riding bull acts, Bramer bull acts, uh, was was the, the top PRCA for several years for acts. Makes you wonder if your dad didn't do some swapping with him. Well, no, his... I've led his bulls in or uh, in arenas. We we were friends, good friends, but uh, they had a ring in their nose and they had a little rope through there to lead him up the alleyway to go in the arena and turn him loose and let him start his act. And that was more dangerous sometimes than when I'd go down there and get on my bucking bull at uh, in the bull riding contest because. They were so ready to go. They was, uh, they'd run over you. They were, they'd run over you. But uh, when they got in the arena, they knew their, they knew their job. But no, they was way, they wasn't near as gentle as old Buford was. <laughs> of course, Buford would never run that fast like his, his did. What Buford weigh? Uh, probably about seventeen hundred and fifty. He looked like a big one. He's he is full-grown Bramer bull. He's big. His hump was that tall. It looked like yeah, a big hump. He he, he was a straight gray Bramer. Some of them gray Bramers are, are pretty gentle. You They're know, either gentle or right mean, there. aren't they? Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, and a lot of them are really mean. Yeah, and a lot of them start out gentle, but something uh, might kind of make them angry, and, yeah. and you can't trust them because they they might take a swipe at you. Yeah. I've seen cows and heifers that you could just lead them anywhere with a sack of feed, you know. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, when I was a kid, we bought a, uh, you ever heard of a zebu bull? Oh, yeah. Miniature Bramer oh, yeah. bull, perfect miniature Bramer bull, about this tall, Jimbo. Right. Had the hump and all. Well, yeah. he was broke to ride and gentle. Mm-hmm. We bought him. We bought him at the horse sale on the alley before they sold him in the, uh, in the sale that night. And... As long as you're on him or petting him or looking at him, this little dude was perfectly gentle. But the very, very second he caught you not looking at him, he'd do away with you. Take you out. Mean booger. Meanest little bull I've ever seen in my life. And that, that, that's part of those, because I've seen quite a few of them little Zebu bramers that, uh, well, Terry Don uses, uh, has, have, has used quite a few of them over there at his school for those kids to get on and most of them they're, they're real gentle they kind of run around circles or hop around a little bit and stuff there and but uh you can't trust them you cannot trust them well my grandpa he was a little overweight he was kind of a, a big fella <laughs> he smoked cigarettes he chewed snuff he chewed loose leaf tobacco and sometimes he might have them cigars with the little plastic tips on them most addicted man to nicotine I've ever seen in my life. Period. If he could get nicotine from it, he was smoking it or chewing it. He was out there checking the waters one day when we were gone. And uh, we had a water tank in the middle of this big old pen where the zebu was, the miniature bull. And he turned his back on him and he rolled my grandpa 
from one end of that pen to the other, and he had a trail of cigarettes and snuff cans and <laughs> Red Man and whatever else it was, it just, all the way to the gate. Rolling, it just kept rolling. All the way to they rolled him under the gate. Yeah. About killed yeah. him. Every single square inch of his body was bruised that day. And he's the one that bought him on the alley, so it was all his, his own fault. But mm. anyway, that's the best story I got on our little broke to ride <laughs> Bramer Bull. Marvin, right behind us here, there's a good picture of you doing an ad for Wrangler Jeans. How'd you get into that? Well, through Dad. Yeah. Through Dad. There, uh, there's some other pictures there. When uh, my older sister and I were kids, we were in some of the ads. And, and then later on, after I started rodeoing, I uh, I got to do a, a, f a few ads with them and stuff, and, and, and with Dad, and then a few mm -hmm. uh, on my own and stuff there. So. That's yeah. a cool picture there, isn't it? Ranger, Ranger. Yeah, I noticed you're still yeah, kind of... Yeah, they're, uh, they're the first family of rodeo, Jimbo. Right. Yep. His mom was a was a great person that went around to different rodeos and ambassador for rodeo. Are you guys going to take up any of that ambassadorship that, that your, that your oh, family's like, always had? Not like she did. It, those last several years after Dad had passed away, uh, it didn't take long that I... Uh, friends or somebody would ask about mom and I, I said I'd tell him I, I said dad dad got pretty famous and he knew a, he had a lots of friends and and but I'm pretty sure mom's already passed him on being both more famous and having more friends because uh, in all walks of life not just rodeo that uh, what what all she went on and did through with rodeo and and life in general that uh yeah mom passed him i think uh a few years ago there yeah she got to be more famous and have more friends than dad did uh that that was i'm, I'm very proud of my folks who were my best friends uh, golly I, I am so blessed so lucky Cody, did you see the tribute they did to his mom down at the American last year? I've never seen anything like that for a rodeo cowboy, much less a wife. Like I say, she's yeah, a first lady. She, so. she got the, Were you down there? there? No, I, you? Saw, I saw her on TV. Yeah, that was that was something. Yeah, that, yeah, she got to be more famous and have more <laughs> friends, and uh, probably did as much for rodeo as Dad did them. Right. That. Uh, like I say, how, I am so proud of my my parents, my best friends, and and every my my world. Right, you should be. Who were your dad's traveling partners back in the day? Oh, it, it's same as now. Uh, I'll some of them. Well, like Harry Jack Bushbaum, uh, Billy Han. Uh, I don't know heck that. I can't even remember the guys I traveled with, <laughs> but it, uh, all those guys, it was, uh, it, it was same, it was same world. All them guys were friends, and and okay, who needs to ride to this next rodeo? Or and some you travel with most of the year, and you have to, okay, they don't get out, and especially back in the, those days, they don't didn't have that many rodeos that traded, traded out, so you couldn't get up. So 
it was uh, who's, who needs needs to go to the next rodeo, this one or that one or this one or and who's heading there and that's who you loaded up with or they loaded up with you back in them days. What was the first rodeo you ever entered, Marvin? Uh, let's see, it was a open rodeo at Okema, Oklahoma. Right down the road there. And a good friend of Dad's put on open rodeos, Leon Frakes. He, it was, he, he had to stop, produce, put the rodeo on, and uh, that was the first one I entered. I'd been kind of riding the practice bulls here at the riding schools and at, at our arena, and uh, okay, let me try this. So I entered that, and I got there early because, yeah, I'm uh, a kid. And but I knew Leon because he and Dad had been friends since they were kids. And what's his bull number? Whatever his number was, seventeen or whatever. He knows it's seventeen. Uh, I whatever this bull is, uh, which and I do remember he's a pretty big red bull with horns and stuff there. And uh, I asked Leon there. Uh, like I say, because we were friends. Leon, what, what, uh, I got, what's this 17 or whatever his number is there? And he said, oh, uh, you'll like him. He'll fit you just right. So I turn around and I go back out to my car to get my stuff and get ready. And uh, and then I get thinking, well, Leon hadn't been down there. He's never even, I don't think he's ever seen me on a bull. How does he know that? <laughs> So I wasn't sure, but it, he was just a nice old kind of practice bull there. That he he didn't kill me. I, I rode him, and and uh, so that was the first rodeo I went to or entered. And you rode him? Yeah, I seen something well, right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even if I didn't, I, by now I would tell you I did. Yeah. <laughs> Enough years passed, you can embellish them stories. Oh, yes, yeah. sir. <laughs> what was your favorite rodeo to go to? No. The one you wanted at most? Uh, there were several rodeos that I was uh, had good luck at, but, well, of course, the NFR. Sure, right sure. The grand entry and everything. Right. Oh, heck, uh, it, it's hard to, it was hard to beat Cheyenne. Right. Uh, That's a daddy. Just yeah, the daddy just being yeah. being at Cheyenne yeah. was was couldn't wait to get there. Right, I bet. How'd you end up there a few times? Your best place in at Cheyenne? Did you win it? Uh, no, I, di I I didn't win it. I, uh, well, that picture right there was a win and go around on. on on a red seven there and uh the second bull i should have won the second go around on and it was raining and my hand came out of the rope about six seconds and uh, that that cost me winning cheyenne and but uh and placed a few other times but no i i, I did not win cheyenne what's the last bull you ever rode 
Poto, Oklahoma. Uh, uh, big old yellow bull there, and, and it's just another rodeo we were going to, and I rode him, and when I stepped off, the tail of my rope somehow wrapped around my hand or t uh, something, and I, I stepped off on my feet. He had turned back, he was spinning uh, away that way, and it kind of pulled me back around, and when his feet came down, and and he uh, stepped on my knee and leg and messed my knee up and messed my leg up pretty bad there. And so that was that was the last one. And and then besides that, he chased clowns up to the chutes and stuff. And I'm laying out there and my legs hanging sideways and and I know this is a bad deal and that. And he's a big old Charlotte cross bull with horns come around in front like that. And, of course, I should have been out of the arena by then. The clowns did their work. He turned around, and here he came. And I, I felt like I was on a train track looking at a train coming at me. He hit me, and, yeah, okay, the knee and leg operation and stuff. And then it was... It was uh, four or five days later after I got off the pain meds enough there and traction and stuff there, and I was supposed to kind of pick my back up there from laying flat on my back for that many days there. And uh, that gum, my, my, something ain't right. Something's hurting my ribs. I got to look at how big old bruise on my ribs stuff there. He broke, they took me down there. He broke two ribs too when he hit me. <laughs> So, yeah, that was the last one. Yeah, that was a good yeah. acquittal, I'd say. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that was the last one. Did you go to work mainly for the rodeo company and here at the ranch after that? Oh, yeah, we we started running cows and we had rodeo company going, and then I uh, uh, was picking up Bronx at rodeos uh, there for several years in between our ranching and our rodeo stuff there. Worked a lot of Neils and then Donnie's, Donnie Gay's, Rafter G. Neil and Dell Hall and uh, Servies rodeos. I uh, I'd pick up Bronx and a lot of rodeos. I enjoyed that. So you still pretty much stayed gone rodeoing. Well, even after well, that. Uh, every couple of weeks or, or for a weekend or so, and but uh, we stayed pretty busy. Uh, ranching and rodeoing and stuff we still uh had rodeo stock and running quite a few cows and so i come home keep busy what about the rodeo they have here now that's named after named after your dad Libbins is it living yeah, legends Livin rodeo legends. yeah jim shoulders living legends it that uh and last couple of years they uh went prca and at which is Labor Day weekend, which is, that's the last weekend or last month there for circuit points to count. And it's a nice rodeo. And those uh, guys chasing points for the NFR or chasing points for the uh, circuit finals. Uh, They've turned that into a really nice rodeo. 
Yeah, getting down to that time of year, you're liable to get. Oh yeah, it, all it, the it guys on the bubble, the guys that are yeah. winning the world. You know, yeah. you're gonna get them all. Everybody chase that points. wants to chase they, them points, make the finals or make the NFR or make the circuit finals or uh, circuit. Uh, uh, championship deals, yeah, it uh, it gets serious right there, and boy, they get a, they get a lot of good cowboys, and uh, that Kevin Hampton's got uh, top end uh, stock that he brings, so it it's it's a really and Labor Day's always been a big deal at Henrietta for some reason, the celebration, carnival, and parades and stuff going on, and. It's 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 a, it's a really it's a really neat rodeo. Everybody needs to get down here to watch it. Sounds like Jimbo. Sounds like it, sure enough. I'd like to come. Yeah. Heck, we might come. We might ride a bull. You want to? Um, I will if you will. Uh, you can be a clown, no, and I'll just watch idea. you clown. Both, both of those are bad ideas. <laughs> <laughs> We'll, we'll sit over and visit and talk about how we used to do it. We're not going to do it. <laughs> how we could have did it if it was us, maybe. Right. God, look what I could have done on this right. one. Right. I would have just earned yeah. it. Look yeah, at this. back when they used to buck. Like, yeah. Them old time right. right. from the yeah. 30s and yeah. 40s. I never even entered a sheep riding in my life. No. Mutton, you weren't a mutton buster. No. Never mutton busted. Ellie, my daughter, mutton busting year-end champion. Wow. She's a she's the rough stock rider of the family. Yeah, Ellie. She's a mutton busting dude. <laughs> That'd be too embarrassing. That'd be too embarrassing. <laughs> Go out there and fall off sheep for me there. That uh, no, no, and then I'd have cried like a little one of them. Well, the little girls don't even cry, but I'd have cried there. Oh no, I fell off. I fell off. It hurt. It hurt something. That no, I'm glad they didn't have that when I was a kid. Calf riding at Cheyenne one year there took that out of me. Uh, I bucked off one of them calves when I had the calf riding on the racetrack a long time ago when I was a kid. And he kicked me in the, knocked both front teeth out. And yeah, that took, that took the calf riding out of me. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever enter the junior bareback riding at Cheyenne? I've heard a lot of no, it stories start, about it. It started way, way after that. Way after that? I just entered the bull riding. Heck. Heck yeah. Yeah. I don't blame you. I don't blame you. That's the funnest event if you're going to be a rodeo guy. You go to the bull riding. All the girls want the bull riders. It's the last event. They're the rock stars of the rodeo, pretty much. Rodeo performance, Jimbo. Yeah, but they're so crippled up, they, you know, girls. Well, no, if you stay on, you don't get crippled. You, you don't know, even feel any know, pain. But don't you notice if they get bunked off, they limp out, and then yeah. once they ride them, they don't no, walk out like No, even if they ride, happens. they limp out. Oh, do they? So, uh, yeah, okay, look, okay, uh, sympathy. <laughs> I quit paying attention after they get bucked off or ride them, I guess. Don't watch them walk out that much. Well, Jimbo, you got anything else for Marvin? Well, just like to thank him for letting us come down today. And, and gosh, just to look around in this room, it's, it's just a unbelievable collection of memorabilia. Uh, that one, number one uh, from Dallas, that, that just... That's probably the number one rodeo memorabilia that that I know of. You know, it's just a treat just to see it. And well, it, uh, it it's uh, kind of what I felt. We felt like they're going up there through uh, Pahuska 
the Cowboy Museum. Is that what it's called now? The, yeah, just the Ben uh, Johnson. Right now, it's the Ben Johnson Cowboy yeah, Museum. The Ben Johnson Cowboy Museum there that if you grew up in this world and, and get to walk through and because pretty much all those names and pictures and those guys were people, some of them I knew, but pretty much all of them I've heard of and, and knew who they were. That that's that's pretty neat. Well, we got you here, and we're talking about that first back number. What do you remember from that first NFR? Uh, being a kid there in '59, let's see, I was uh, eight years old, and I remember back there playing around back there behind yeah. and stuff there. Go watch bareback riding and maybe the bronc riding, and for certain, uh, get up there and watch the bull riding. And uh, uh, being as I was there, the the 10th bull, and that was, it was a five-day rodeo. They, they got on, or I mean, uh, 10 purse, five days. They got on. Uh, two a day. Two a day, which Dad was in the bareback riding. So he's getting on a bareback horse, a bull, and in the afternoon performance, and then at, that night. So by by the that last couple of go round last couple of days there his hand uh calluses had pulled loose and his hand was sore from the bull rope and the bareback rigging and stuff but what was uh the, the 10th bull that came down to him and bob wagner to win the world because they was close enough Bob Wagner had Dad's bull Mohammed, and he bucked him off. And uh, I think they call that bull Tiger, a big brindle bull. From and I don't even know who whose bull that was. That Dad rode him to, and when he stepped off, and that it wasn't like it is nowadays. When he stepped off, he throwed his hat, and that didn't happen back in them days. Uh, he rode him, and yeah, that was a good bull ride. Okay, and and then later on, years later on, seeing seeing because that's on film on from some TV dealer or something, and watching that back, watching that back years later on, and and it was on TV and they showed back in slow motion, and. Uh, we were up there at mom and dad's house there, sitting there, and watching that back, and I said, I told dad, I said, you know what, <laughs> that was a damn good bull ride. That bull was pretty rank. Yeah, he did throw <laughs> he his hat. He expected it when you're a kid, because that's what he did. But looking back uh, after all these years and, and all the bull rides and stuff you see, that right there was pretty special. That 1959 10th gold bull ride he made, that was a pretty rank bull he rode. Uh, and being that sore and everything to step off him, throw his hat to win the win the world championship deal there, that that was a that was a, a bull ride that would be a bull ride nowadays. That was. Back then, the, they rode some bucking bulls, and that was one of them that was, but I said, you know what, I, I knew that as a bull ride, but 
that that was a bull ride. <laughs> you know, and I've seen that film of him throwing his hat, and I thought to myself, I didn't know they threw their hat back then. You no, know, they didn't. They didn't. They were more refined back then. Oh, yeah. And but for him to do that, it must have been. It was important to him winning yeah. that championship and riding a yes. making a heck of a ride yeah, for him to throw was, his that, hat. That was that last championship because they just didn't do that back then. And and, and uh, but if you watch that you watch that bull ride back there, uh, that wasn't just some bull turned back and spun or something. There, that bull had a lot of moves to him and was kicking way over his head. That was a rank bull. Right. That, nowadays, that would have been a ninety-something point bull ride. Even today, yeah, yeah. Uh, that and like I say, I'd seen it and and I knew, it, but. But just sitting there really breaking it down there years later on there and and that it, it was impressive yep you know that uh bob wagner osage county boy yeah and I'm also kidding. we Wait. had the yeah but on the osage county side he would just live a little bit east of ponca city and then uh buck legrand the first rodeo yeah. clown for the first nfr also another osage county guy and probably the toughest guy that took more hookings, rollings, and pain than anybody and get up laughing about it. <laughs> and I remember him since I was a kid there at rodeos or fighting bulls and stuff there, but he was still he was still working when I when I started uh going pro rodeos. And yeah, if you saw him out there, it didn't matter how mean that bull was, you was getting on, it didn't matter bucks out there he'll take care of it did you go help out with the nfr when it was in los angeles were you uh, out there no i didn't go out there then no did your dad I, go that to, year uh, obviously yeah. he had to have uh yeah uh 64 64 and that might have been his last year. What they had it two years 63 and four i think but i'm and don't hold i don't to know it. if he made it if he he went both years or just I, I know he he went one year when he was in Los Angeles, but he had slowed down. They were rodeoing, Mesquite was going, and and his rodeo company and he didn't rodeo very much, but uh, he he made the finals and I know at least once after Los Angeles, but I didn't go. That's too far. <laughs> yeah, like me going out there now. Hey, what'd you think about that 97 and a half point bull ride the other day? Did it was watch worth it? it. It was worth it, I thought. That was That guy spurred the ever living heck out of that bull, dude. That, that was a right bull. That was that was a good one. Uh, well Marvin, before we wind up here, we always try to ask someone a good question. Uh oh. So <laughs> we don't always ask someone a question, but this is a question that, that uh I've been thinking about for you for a while because you're one of the only people that can honestly answer this question, I feel like. Because you were in the family from the inception of pretty much Pro Rodeo, and you guys are still involved with it all the way today, to today. So uh, what what do you think, how, how do you feel uh, the way rodeo is going now? What do you think about the, the path that it's on? Oh, it's, actually it's, maybe uh, on the best path it's ever been on partially because of the cowboy channel and getting a fan base everywhere making new rodeo fans if they watch it and there's enough money in it now to make those 
uh, make it worth it. It's a rough game. But if a kid uh, wants to play it, works at it, has a little talent, you can make a nice living playing this game. It's a rodeo game, and it's it's entertainment. It's it came comes across good on uh, TV or in especially in person if you're sitting there in the grandstands. Uh, it's like I say, there there's enough money in it now there to, to for it to be serious and and it it is entertainment. It is entertainment to watch because there's a wreck fixing to happen. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think it's on a good path, too. I think it's on a good path. It's serious business now. Yeah. These guys are uh, serious professional athletes, it seems like, now, and they're taking it and they uh, way be. steps more yeah, serious. They, they better be. They better be, because it's a serious game, but it, it pays enough It pays enough for them to uh, pay attention to their business and their worth at, work ethics and... and uh, uh, in, in a couple of good years, uh, a little luck, and and a lot of try, you can set yourself up for the rest of your life. I'm glad to finally see it. I'm glad to finally see it. Right. Rodeo athletes, are, uh, they can make something of that rodeo living instead of being a busted up, broke cowboy when they're done. Right. They use their heads right. Yeah, they're athletes. Or they're not just some old somebody or... Entertainment, yeah, they're they're athletes, and uh, they better be, cause and, and it'll be worth it if they get serious about it. The only working out I ever did, Jimbo, was seeing how fast I could sprint to the beer stand, grab a beer, <laughs> then I go drink it, and then I do another sprint to the beer stand. So well, these guys today they, are a little they bit different. Look forward to that uh, after they after they retire, and and then they can get to telling them old stories. Uh, yeah, they they get to go yeah sprint to the beer stand, and tell them old stories. <laughs> well marvin we sure appreciate you talking to us today thanks for taking the time out of your busy day i know and uh showing us your pretty much museum you have here it's just been a it's been a great great day for us what about you jimbo oh absolutely like you said it's just a, a museum in a house basically well, what I, i'd call I, it i've enjoyed the visit myself cody and jimbo it, it, it's it's been a great afternoon guys well we're sure darn proud of the career you had we're proud of the career that your family has had and uh, we're just proud to know you and, and just the type of guy you are marvin you're you're a heck of a good guy and you're a treasure for oklahoma and we're glad to talk to you well thank you very much thank you very much all right everybody this has been another edition of the cowboys of the osage podcast being broadcast from right here in Henrietta, Oklahoma this week instead of Pahuska. And uh, we've been talking to rod Rodeo Royalty today, Jimbo. Sure have. Absolutely. Thanks, Marvin. You're Thank welcome. you, Jimbo. You we'll see it. everybody next week right here on the podcast.